Hello everybody, thank you for joining me once again. Um, episode number four. Uh, if you're a football fan, you might enjoy this one. My guest today is Stephen Waite. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Richard. How you doing, nice. mate? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Uh, Good. Considering the uh, the situation that we find ourselves in with the COVID-19 lockdown. Yeah, and how are you uh, with life in lockdown? Um, I'm not too bad. I'm still in work. Um, yeah? Yeah, we're on reduced, reduced hours at work, um, but we make control panels and things like that for pharmaceutical companies and food production companies, so... Something. I say, key worker, I suppose. Yeah, some things still need doing. So, uh, yeah, we're we're still in work a little bit, um, but only when we need it. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, sound fair enough. Well, first part of this show, I want to just do this. What I usually do is go into uh, get acquainted section. So I'm going to just chuck a load of kind of quick fire questions at you. Um, might be a bit out there, but it's just a bit of fun. Uh, just relax you into the show. So, if you're ready, fire away. Full name. Stephen James Waite. Age? 39. <laughs> Occupation? Uh, electrician by day and football coach by night. Favourite childhood TV show? He-Man. Nice. Uh, texting or talking? Talking. What's your biggest fear? Ooh. Um... Spiders. No, I, I, have, <laughs> I haven't got anything really that scares me. Like the biggest fear is leaving the kids. That's, yeah. That always scares me. Yeah, but definitely. Yeah, that's a bit that's of a deep, a, that's fear. A, deep fear. Yeah, it's a, it's a parent answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, best place you've ever visited? New York. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Sweets or chocolate? Chocolate. Can I have biscuits? I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised about bi- that. If I could have biscuits, I'd have biscuits. I'm not big fan Go on then, biscuits. Yeah, biscuits. And I, I don't know if this is going to be the same as, as an earlier answer, but favourite superhero? Spider-Man. Oh. And what's the biggest thing on your bucket list? Ooh, good one. Uh, I'd love to watch Derby win something at Wembley. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, love, I'd love that. They've tried many times. Yeah. They keep failing at the minute. Yeah. Um, what do you think... Um, is going to happen there. Sorry, I just got interrupted. It's, something just fell over. I think a bag fell off the door. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen with the, the championship then? Talking about Derby and, and oh, you know, I honestly, I honestly think they're going to fold the season. Dear. Yeah, I think I think that's the the only option they're going to be left with. You can't put it off indefinitely. Or what happens next year? Then the knock on effect year after year after. Do you try? Yeah, yeah. Most championship clubs are playing twice a week as it is. Yeah, that's right. I mean, catching up would be a nightmare. I mean, to be honest, I'd love it if uh, if they did that with the Premiership and, and Liverpool didn't win. I'd be, <laughs> be cracking for me. I'd, I'd love that. Well, I already had a little bit of a, a wager earlier on and said this will be the only season that they use VAR. Because of all the problems that they've had with it, it'll be the only season that they use it and it'll be Liverpool have won the title thanks to VAR. And so all the, all the rest of the football fans will have an excuse. You only won the title because of VAR. They never used it again, and I think yeah. that will be uh, that will be Liverpool's season, the Liverpool full season. <laughs> nice, I like it. Um, 
so you've been to New York. That's one of the, the good ones there. Because this is something that I'm planning on doing in just 40. So I'm just going to go back for a few of these things that you said. Um, you know, yeah. what made that... I'm going to ask you this for a personal reason more than anything. What made you go to New York out of America? Or have you been to other places in America as well? Uh, no, I only went to, went to New York. went for New Year's Eve. Yeah. Um, we weren't... My, me and my ex, weren't, we weren't too bothered about New Year in this country. It seemed a bit of a an empty climax. So we tried to get away for a few of them. Um, went to Paris. Yeah. We, uh, spent New Year's Eve on the, on the Champs-Élysées, sipping nice. champagne oh. out of a plastic cup. Uh, <laughs> and then we went to New York a couple of years after. Um, and we went to Times Square in the morning, but it was so busy. Yeah, so, uh, I can imagine. We, Just like the movies. Oh, it was, it was crazy. It, there was people sat with like portable toilets at the front of the, the, the barricades uh, full on picnics um, so we ended up spending the new year in Central Park which was that's, it, that's it, good though uh, it, it was amazing it was freezing cold but it was an amazing experience is that um, is it cold at that yeah because I was going to say because I know that New York my mate actually lived out there for quite a while when he was younger and he was saying like don't go at certain times of year it, like January and stuff like that so it was absolutely freezing yeah yeah. Um, that's that's one of the things. So we're looking at going. I think on our fortieth or something like that. I think we're, me, me and my wife are going to do something, and we're thinking about America, and we, but we're trying to plan it so we can go to a few places. Yeah, you know, spend a bit of time out there. Um, and New York's one of those. I'm like, do you know what? It looks great, but it seems really busy. I, I'd love to see like Times Square and stuff. It, but it was just like I wouldn't want to take the kids. Yeah. I wouldn't want to go with the kids. So that's a big one because I know that I know that my missus she definitely wants to take the kids as well now. That's something that originally wasn't in the plan, but she's like, oh, I just don't think I could, you know, not give them that experience sort of thing. I'd, so I'd love to take the kids to America, uh, Florida, Disneyland, places like that, but that it'd be a very different holiday. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think one go. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it would. I mean, it's such a big country though, isn't it? Yeah. That's the issue. So. All right, so you said occupation, uh, you're an electrician. Uh, you, you really downplayed it because I know that you're a goalkeeper coach yep. and you do group sessions, one-to-one training. I also know that you're a grassroots manager. So, you know, you, you're a pretty busy guy. Um, this current period is the slowest I have been in probably two years, three, maybe three years. I've never sat down so much. And how do you feel about that? Is it, you know, because I suppose one of the things is when, when you're always busy, and, in, and I know with like, with my life before the lockdown, work, after work, you know, it was the kids going certain places. I'm actually quite happy for the, you know, the bit of a rest, you know, to slow down a little bit. Yeah, well, it, so I mean, still being at work a little bit, it's not quite so bad. And uh, mm. with, the, with the, um, the lockdown causing so much upheaval with football, uh, we're still trying to do as much as we can, um, social media wise, to keep yeah. keep everybody involved in, and doing bits, and that's been great. Um, so it, it's still we're still fairly busy, but my normal life is fourteen, fifteen hour days, um, yeah. and no lines. Yeah, but it's <laughs> mad. I mean, obviously, I've done I've done the the grassroots bit myself. I did the. Uh, under sevens, under eights, took a bit of time off, and then uh, you've actually you've wrote me back in there. So yeah. Going on for next season, I'm going to be taking over. 
Only as manager though, which is which is good. So at least I don't have to train them or do as much on the training day. So that's that's a, that's a bit I'm, of a respite. But I'm still hoping to be there every. It'll probably be every other week. Um, yeah, but I will be there more as a spectator because I think we've got another another assistant lined up for match mm. days. Um, yeah, that's good. It's always, I think it's good to have two. Yeah, you need to. So, yeah, safeguarding, health and safety. If somebody gets hurt or injured, you can't see to them and look after the other eight kids that are there. So, yeah, you that's definitely it, yeah. want two of you there. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's it is full on though. Um, so, like I said, you, you're doing your your you're under the bar stuff. So, um, how often do you do that a week? <laughs> in the winter, or usually well, before. <laughs> in the winter, we do. Um, two to three nights a week we'll do one session that is uh, open to everybody Um, Mm. normally do one night going to different clubs uh, working with goalkeepers at different clubs we've done West Hallam Belper Sports Belper Sports Ladies um, do Ripley Town Seniors so that's normally another night Um, and then we do Saturdays normally two or three sessions on a Saturday um, either small groups or one-to-ones Wow, and then in the summer and, it's pretty much four nights a week, and then Saturdays and Sundays. Mate, I don't know how you do it. Take my hat off to you because you've got that, and then I know you obviously do the the training for Belper on a Friday. You've got the match days on the Sundays. Yeah, albeit albeit it's not been it's been, not been many. This yeah, season. it's been a slow season this year um, with the weather. Terrible. But, mm. um, but yeah, so roll on next year. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Well, hopefully with the lack of pollution and stuff, it must be having some kind of effect now. So maybe going into next year, we won't have so much rain. And, you know, the, the weather, it's it's kind of ironic how as soon as as soon as soon we've gone into lockdown, the weather's been great it's every been, weekend. So the kids would have been playing. Yeah, it, it's been quite scary the way it's worked out. And mm. you look up in the sky at night, you can see stars. There's no... Twinkly stars, yeah. yeah. no aeroplane trails in the day. It, it's uh, it's a strange way the world's got to to settle its scores and it's definitely it's definitely something I think we should uh, you know we should be looking at and going actually after this we need to be a little bit more greener. Uh, um, yeah, I think two weeks of shutting things down a year. I don't think that's that much of a upheaval for everybody, is it? If everybody knows it's happening. No, I think it'd be a great idea. I think you know definitely you could do a lockdown. I mean. Especially with with uh, certain jobs like what what I do, it's not really affecting me as such. I suppose it, because everywhere else is shut down, industry wise, we're not getting as much stuff done. Um, we're not getting the sales in. We're not being able to get guys out to do installations and stuff like that, unless it's for sort of NHS and sort yeah. of public sector. But I mean, working from home. I definitely think that we could all benefit a bit more from that. And, you know, I'm still getting my, my day-to-day stuff done. Um, you know, I'll take a lunch break. I'll go outside and play a bit of football with Mason. So he's been enjoying that. Um, yeah, I just think we could definitely do something uh, a, a little bit more uh, going forward. and should definitely sort of take a stand and go, look, we can see the effects that this has had um, in the short space of time that we've been locked down, the way the pollution has come down. You're looking at uh, places like Italy, um, Venice, where all the canals are clear, and you've got you know fishing. In there. You know, it's it's crazy, yeah. really. And stuff happening all over the place. Yeah, I think one of the uh, the biggest things. I mean, if you go back fifteen, twenty years, twenty five years, people mm. were working eight hours a day, eight and a half hours a day, and you know, 
I can remember the days when people went home for their lunch. Yeah. Now, yes, it's, it's 10, 12 hour days. You know, if you if you get a sandwich while you're bit while you're working, you're doing well. Uh, yeah, so I definitely. think yeah, certainly, especially while the kids are off, kids are off school for six weeks, they're at home. That'd be ideal time to say right. I'll drop back down to eight hours a day. I'll have breakfast with my kids in the morning. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you bang right. I mean, you know, it, it's hard enough for people anyway um, when they've got full-time jobs. Um, you know, not everybody, just because you've got two, you know, a couple that have both got full-time jobs, it doesn't mean they make a load of money and they've not always got family to rely on to watch kids and stuff. So childcare's yeah. expensive. Um, I think it'd be a great idea to do it, in, you know, six weeks holiday or yeah. something. Yeah, for sure. So going back to the to the football, um, you know. So I suppose did you start at grassroots first, or was under the bar? Was that was that a first sort of they, way into grassroots? They coincided. They came about at the same time. I um, I got into grassroots, obviously, <laughs> through my son and daughter both starting at the same time. Um, yeah. I played in goal when I was playing, uh, so I had a had an affiliation with the position as it was. Uh, my daughter decided that she wanted to play in goal, um, and Ollie decided that he wanted to have a go in goal as well. So we started putting some sessions on for them too. Um, yeah, we had one or two others ask about it, um, and it's just sort of snowballed from there, really. Um, it's one of them yeah. things. It always seems to be the way to get. I mean, I obviously got into it because of my son, um, Mason, and, and he plays for you now. And that's how we obviously met uh, going back. I've still got you in my phone as Steve DW Footy. <laughs> uh, but from then. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose that's the way you get into it. So you're like a family of goalkeepers, really. Well, now. yeah, sort of. My daughter decided she didn't want to play anymore. Um Take the side down. Well, I I was she's, made. Is she a teenager now? Twelve this year, um, and when she started playing, I was made up because I I stopped mm. playing when she was born. So football was never something that was part of their lives growing up. Uh, and when they when yeah. they both wanted to get into it, and they both wanted to play goal, I was chuffed. Uh, yeah, I, I really was made up. But I always said I won't push it on him. If either of them say I don't want to play football, I don't want to play in goal. That's fine. It's it's a choice. If you're doing what you enjoy, I don't mind where you're doing it. Um, exactly. And so it got a bit competitive for her, and uh, and she stopped enjoying it, and so she stopped playing. Um, and now she yeah. hates football and everything football related. <laughs> um, so it's just me and me and the boy now. Football's uh, our thing. We've got season ticket at derbies. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just the two of us. And I, I don't think. Well, I'm not sure if uh, if Ollie'll stick in goal throughout his footballing lifetime. But as long as he's enjoying playing, I'm not bothered where he plays. Yeah, from what I've seen him, he seems to seems to enjoy it there. But now he has been coming out a little bit more in training sessions and stuff like that. So well, who knows? I don't coach any goalkeeping at our grassroots football. Um, yeah, we we don't do yeah, I mean, we, we don't do anything for the goalkeepers. It's all outfield. They all do the same outfield stuff. Because mm. um, yeah, up until under thirteens, under fourteens, I don't think you can really pick a position for anybody. Um, no, 
No, I mean, I, I love that when you see on these groups and stuff like, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm recruiting for a goalkeeper, under eight goalkeeper and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Eight-year-old with, with uh, 10 years of experience in yeah, goal. Yeah, it, it does make me laugh when I see that. I just think at, at that age, people, even the kids will say, I'm a striker, I'm a defender. You don't, you don't know what yeah. you are. You, you, you no. can't stand on one foot at the minute. Don't don't pigeonhole <laughs> yourself into a position as as early as that because things will change as you get older, develop. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as you know, my lad's left footed, and we always just used to kind of drop him into left mid. Um, he can strike a ball pretty well, but I don't think he's not like that out and out striker. But he was never a great tackler, and then actually, you you started dropping him in at left back, and I was thinking this is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> And he actually performs pretty well there. I was, I was shocked. And, you know, it's a confidence thing as well. But it's like you say, you, you can't really you can't really pigeonhole anybody into a position at such yeah, a young I, age. I like to move them all around. Yeah, definitely. I think it's good as well. Good experience because you, you get to understand those different roles and responsibilities as well. So you can, you know, if you understand what you're doing in your role, but you understand what the midfield is doing at the same time. Yeah. You know, I think you can just sort of, you can work it out a little bit better. And you know what kids are like, I suppose, the the sooner you do that, kids just soak everything up, don't they? So you might as well get as much experience all the different positions yeah, as it's, possible. It's a, it's a whole game. You don't learn a position, you learn a game. Uh, yeah, definitely. And if you, can, if you can do the basics, you can play anywhere as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's establishing that football brain, yeah, I suppose. It's, it's the ABCs at, at that age, you know, it, it's basic stuff that, We've got some kids that can can score from thirty five yards. We've got some kids that I say can't stand on one foot. Um, <laughs> but that's just how it goes. Yeah, and, and like you said though, it's about fun though. It's about them having fun. It's great that you're giving kids this uh, grassroots managers. Obviously, we do it for free. It's it's never been. I don't think you get enough credit for what you do. You tend to get moaned at more than anything, you know, and, and parents, like what you were saying about Emily kind of falling out of love with football and stuff. A lot of the time when you see that, it's because of parents and stuff. And I don't, you know, I, I, I'm competitive enough myself, but when it comes down to Mason, I expect something of a certain level from him because I know... I know what he's capable of, but that's just my... I'm just expecting him to, to be better because I know he can be better, but I don't put the pressure on him because what I, I would hate to do is drive that's him away from it. I think when you get upset because you're disappointed because you, you know that they can do better, mm. not because you're disappointed yeah. that they haven't done something, but it's that disappointment that I, I know you can do better and I know that you are now upset with yourself for doing it. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's difficult to curb that sometimes. Mm. And it's tough, like when you're out there, you, you can hear the parents saying stuff, and sometimes you you just want to, yeah. I've I've kind of lost it a little bit in the past myself, and I think just calm down. It's let let the kids have fun at this age. Uh, it's it's such a it's such a crazy thing for you know somebody to expect so much of a kid when professional footballers are out there making mistakes week in week well, out. You know, a lot a um, lot of it boils down to you know they they want to do it for themselves, not so much for the kids. Um, Mm. live the dreams through the the kids the biggest thing you know if you're helping your kid with their own work and they can't they make a mistake with a a maths question or the the writing isn't as neat as it should be 
you don't scream at him and shout at him for, for not doing it right. But yeah, you yeah, put him on exactly. a football pitch and, and that seems like it's okay to do it. You know? Yeah. It is bad. I mean, the, what they're doing with the, the whole respect thing, this was quite funny because I was at, I think it's one of the last matches I was at and they've got the respect, the waist. The, high vis yeah. jacket that they wear now so a respect ambassador um and it's got to be one sort of parent from each team and the last match i was at the woman that was wearing it for the other team was screaming yeah. on the field the whole it's time crazy. and i was like you don't even understand what what that high vis vest no, you're no. wearing means you might as well and just take I think it off you know that's down to the coaches as well that at the start of the season you you I mean, we have a, a code of conduct that we issue out to to all the all the parents, all the players, yeah, yeah, but, you know, we expect a certain like they'll get one from the coaches as well, you know, so they know what to expect. So if I'm doing something that goes against our code of conduct, I'd I'd expect one of the parents to say, "Hold on, you said at the start of the season, yeah, that you would do this, you would give equal playing time, you would uh, maintain a positive attitude, this, that, and that." Uh, we don't think you've been doing that. We don't think you've been sticking to your code of conduct. I'd like you to, to refer back to it the same way as that if the parents are coaching from the sidelines or shouting instructions being being negative about anything, that we can go out and say, look, you know, code of conduct, you signed it at the start of the season, you agreed to this, you agreed to that, make sure you carry on doing it or I'm going to have to ask you to leave the side of the pitch. And I think... Yeah, yeah, I think this... It's going gonna, it's gonna to be... Uh, it's tough to do because we're all, we're all people, we all got emotions... We all get carried away sometimes, but I think as a coach now, it's a big responsibility to to take on to say to a parent, stop shouting at your child like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, and like you said, you've got to lead by example, uh, practice what you preach. If you're, you know, if you're out there doing the same thing, then, uh, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not setting a good example to the kids. Because, I mean, you see that as well, you know, if you start you know, screaming at the refs and stuff, you see kids giving the refs attitude. And, and these refs yeah, are only yeah. kids themselves. Uh, at grassroots, like 14-year-old kids and stuff. And, but yeah, I mean, I know you, I know you're pretty relaxed and you, and you don't sort of, say so much um and you have picked up on me i i do talk more but i'm not one of these who is constantly telling the kid where to play the ball who to pass it to but i've been there where i've literally been on the sideline against another manager who's who's just trying to it's orchestrate like the whole match and i'm like, like this isn't fun on their xbox or yeah. the playstation like we've got a joypad in the hand. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm like, calm down. I've I've had a few words. Like, I mean, what's that's a good question for you. <laughs> what's the closest you've ever come uh, to, to having a bit of a ding dong with one of one of the opposition it, you managers? Were there, I think actually it was. Um, it wasn't that long ago. Um, All right. Okay. Yeah. Was uh, I think I know the one you talked about when we, we had yeah. like four players yeah. and they had um, seven still. Any, I can't. I, depending on who hears the uh, podcast. I can't go into too much detail because I, I, uh, <laughs> no, I, did, I, to, I did get reprimanded by the club over my outburst on social media about it. Oh, I remember the outburst now, actually. I think I commented, but you know, it was, was the closest. <laughs> it was definitely yeah. worthy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you probably could have kept it to yourself and not put it on Facebook. But, um, you know, I think you had a fair point. You know, like at this age, and it is within the within the rules. I know they don't have to, but they do say, like, if, if the other team's struggling, if they're so far ahead, lend one of your players to the other team. Or even if they didn't want to do that, they could have took a couple of their own players was, off. Um, yeah. You know, just to even it up a little bit. Made it better. 
for the kids involved. It's the same thing that we've done. Mm. And I, I've done it several times, took players off, lent players. To, uh, we've had one player play for another team for 20 minutes because their kids didn't turn up. Um, we've lent the other team yeah. gloves when the goalkeepers haven't turned up. Um, so, yeah, Bibs, so, all that kind of stuff, yeah. yeah. There's, there's plenty that, we, that we've done. And we just expect that sort of uh, that level back, but not everybody's not everybody's in it for the kids. Some of them are in it for their own yeah. game. Yeah, definitely. That's that's a, a massive thing. I mean, if if you're just thinking about the kids, then what does it matter? As long as the kids are playing, if you lend your one of your players to to another team, they're still playing. And and actually, what you probably find is they'll they'll play better because they're more confident against their own rather than going that, up against another team. It was a big thing and we had two kids volunteer for it which I was dead proud of them both. Because um, it, it's not easy to sort yeah. of step away from your, your peers and say, yes, I'll do it at that age. But yeah, two of them said mm. that they would. We chose one and uh, he went and played and played against us and he played well and he came back and <laughs> when the players turned up, came back and played for us and and finish the game on our team but he played everybody else played yeah. the teams were fair the kids enjoyed it mm. yeah it's, it's definitely one of those things I think that I think they're doing a, a good job at the minute though of, of kind of keeping it fair I know and when we first started it's gonna it takes a while to kind of figure out the teams who are better and where to put them in the league so you kind of just get dumped anywhere and I remember well, some of the first uh, the very under sevens the first few games uh uh, one team in particular were thumping people like you know it was like twenty yeah. goals to to zero and stuff like that twenty plus goals and it's it's terrible when it's like that and you you feel for the kids and it, and all it takes at that age is one lad that can yeah. that can kick a ball pretty well you know your goalkeepers doesn't really know anything about positioning you know kids are still learning how to deal with the speed of of something moving and things like that. that's the, one of the reasons why you know kids tend to get run over more because they, they have to, they can't it's judge the speed of something how quick it's moving. And went to... They don't judge flight and yeah. distance and that's something that we have to work on with the keepers. Yeah, um, mm. yeah definitely. I used to do a lot a lot of stuff with, with a goalkeeper taking the side. I know you, what you were saying, you didn't you didn't tend to do too much, but um, just just that kind of thing really, just just getting a ball at them at a certain speed or throwing it over. That One of the biggest things I used to find is when a ball was coming from above and yeah. dropping down, They'd, or they had to backpedal. Yeah. That well, they'd always struggle it's with. It's a lot to it's a lot to process. There's a lot of information being thrown yeah. at you. And was it Malachi who played mm. in goal for you? You see, yeah, Malachi. Well, he's he was, been, he was I've fantastic. had Malachi to my sessions at under the bar, um, and he's a great yeah. kid. Um, and since mm. then, he's had uh, issues with his sight. Yeah, with his eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's sad. It's sad to hear. I know his mum was telling me stuff. Um, you know that it could deteriorate so bad that you know yeah. he could go blind eventually. Well, it's really to sad to hear. And looked into it for for sessions, and uh, apparently there, there is stuff that you can do that makes it easier for him, and that's use different coloured footballs. Uh, you can put a football. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you've got blind football now with a, a bell in it. Uh, the only position on the yeah. blind football pitch is the goal, goalkeeper who is sighted. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Um, or, or is it is sighted? The sort of, uh, and they will communicate yeah. with the rest of the team what they need to know. So obviously, to, to have a goalkeeper right. who isn't sighted, it it's a lot more a lot more difficult. Um, oh yeah, yeah I mean, I, be that's very another, difficult. another 
option that I'd, you know, I'd love to be able to, to help out and do sessions with things like that. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I suppose any, any way you can help. Um, you know, Malachi is one of them that I remember his mum saying to me, like, you know, oh, can you, he'll just play in goals. Like, he's, he's probably not going to be very good. And I was like, do you know what? I said, if he's, if he's happy to do that, which he was, I said, you, literally the only parent that's come up to me and said yeah. that my lad will play in goals. And I'd not asked anybody at that time because this was just before we started. I said, if he wants to be in goals, that's fine. If he's happy to be there, and he did. And within a few months, he just excelled. And one of the biggest things with Malachi, and I suppose this is what... he I think he's just got some good goalkeeper traits in him that he was so brave. So, do you know when the balls come in and he would just smother it? You know, there could be three kids around him just throwing the feet at the ball, you know, just hacking away. And he'd be on the floor smothering the ball. Do you know what I mean? He, he's, he's had a few knocks and stuff, that. but just so brave. You can't teach that. You can't at all, no. My lad turns his back. So well, he's never going to be a goalkeeper. He was scared of the ball for a while, but he seems to have got over that fear, I think, as they get older and get more used to it. Hmm. Sure. All right, so um, I just want to talk a little bit more about you under under the bar stuff, just for you, really. I know you say you do the one, one-to-one training, you run some group sessions. One of the big things, I suppose, what, what was good um, is that you had... Eric Steele down recently. I've uh, done some sessions with him. So we, yeah, um, we've been really people... lucky. We've worked. We've worked with two of probably the best English coaches uh, in in the game. Yeah, uh, we've had sessions with Tony Elliott, who coaches the mm. England futsal. Bristol City ladies is coached professional men's games. Um, he coaches England disability teams, blind, uh, blind, squad, blind squad, deaf squad, uh, the cerebral palsy squad. He's been to um, the Olympics, futsal, so many different formats of the game. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, awesome. we've got Eric Steele, who was who um, mm. responsible for... Well, yeah, he played for Derby, which was... Who's been coach mm. goalkeeper coach at Derby twice, um, goalkeeper coach at Manchester United, Manchester City, Aston Villa, worked with Peter Schmeichel, David De Gea. Um, you know, I mean yeah, that's some when, talent right it, there. <laughs> when you've got a, a goalkeeper coach saying this is what David De Gea liked to do, and it, you know he wanted this session on three times a week, yeah. Uh, and I'm saying exactly the same thing, but I've not got David De Gea's name behind it. It's amazing how much more notice yeah. kids take. Yeah, it's, <laughs> holds it's, holds a bit of weight, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, when somebody like, how's that for you? How do you find it? Do you find it a bit daunting being um, you know, somebody it. like that? Um, I, yeah, yeah. I suppose you're going to learn. You're going to learn from them as well. But I, I just feel like you know sometimes when you do a scenario where you go, you know, I've done a bit of this, but you, you're with somebody who's done it professionally. You always go, oh god, I'm like, you know, yeah. I don't really want to put myself forward to, to say like, you know. I ga- I use it as a gauge. Um, I've sort of coached alongside, and I mean I I put so much time in to to learning how to coach and watching different coaches, and I've got notebooks just full of, of sessions and ideas and and yeah. Well, I mean I, yeah. So I spend a couple of hours at the minute, especially when I'm off. I'm spending a couple of hours a day watching YouTube clips and posting bits to the Facebook. Facebook groups and stuff like that. Of, you know, look at this. I want you know, see what it, who does this. This is this, and 
when you then go and coach alongside people like Eric Steele and Tony Elliott and the information that they're putting across is the same information that you put across and you're delivering it in a in a similar way. It's it's great for me yeah. to think, you know, I'm I'm where I want to be at the minute as to regards the way I coach and the information I give out. Um and Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely reassuring. You know, it's telling you that you're doing, you know, you you're doing the right yeah, things, you're doing a good job, I nice. suppose. And in all fairness, they've both been absolutely fantastic with me. Um, so, that's, that's good. You got I have plans you know, for the future we, with those we guys. Cancel a session with both of them. It was meant to be uh, actually mm. this this weekend. I think I think the Eric Steele one was. It was meant to be the 18th. Uh, we cancelled the session with Tony Elliott as well. Um, but we will definitely be um, be doing more with them once this is all lifted. When we come out, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Once once this is once we're all uh, all back together and back on top of it, we'll be uh, we'll be putting more sessions on. So yeah, it's uh, it's coming on really well. We've got probably thirty odd goalkeepers now. That's good. That's really uh, yeah. I didn't even realise it was that big. Yeah, we've well we 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 signed up a membership. Um, a membership set up mm. earlier this year um, to try and sort of try and establish more of a, a team ethic yeah. around it. So mm. we all got uh, they all got a kit, um, and they, you know they get bits and bobs. Um, and so yeah, I think we've probably got twenty five to thirty members, um, and we've got one or two more that come training sporadically. <laughs> so um, I suppose it's all you know. You, the 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 future, I suppose, is just growth. I suppose you want to you want to take it, you know, uh, to a certain size. I'd love I'd love to be able to set it up and run sessions in different areas. Um, yeah, and eventually I'd like to do it full time. Yeah, that'd, be, that'd definitely be nice. Hey, um, put if, the tools down. If I could get a venue, uh, if I could get a venue. Um, I would be looking to do it full time and take academy goalkeepers in because not not all academies have got full time goalkeeper coaches. Um, and I sit, I know that quite a lot of the uh, the hubs that Derby and Leeds and places like that use they struggle to get goalkeeper coaches. So if mm. you could get somewhere that they could send their goalkeepers for two or three hours a week, um, yeah, it'd be you, ideal. You could quite easily run something like that in the day, um, and if you've got a decent venue with it, with good facilities, there's yeah. no reason why you can't get other academies in into to come and work with you. Right? So mm, yeah, definitely. We've got some decent facilities in Derby now as well, haven't we? So I suppose you're you're based at Belper just outside of Derby, but um, yeah, you know. I mean we we have, but again the the, the floodlit 4G. Mm. Is so limited. You, you know, you've got more teams coming through all the time. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, the actual, the actual locations are, are, are um, very limited. So, yeah, more. If if the uh, if the FA would invest a little bit more into grassroots football, getting some more artificial pitches and some more floodlit pitches on, I think that's yeah, a I mean... massive benefit for everybody. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's huge, though, isn't it? I mean, half of the kids in Derby, half of the boys and girls now. I mean, obviously, it's, it's huge for girls. And um, 
you see them down down at the race course of you know most most weekends it's like such a big thing uh, yeah, we're a small crazy. place but it's just, everybody's down there um and i did hear um a, probably a year or so back now so when i was um at one of the manager meetings at my former club um that derby um had bid for uh, some funding for for a new complex i can't remember where it was but i know it was looking good uh, according to the chairman at the time, but I don't know if that's, I don't know what's happening with that, whether that's kind of been pushed back or, or what now, I suppose funding uh, the council and stuff like that. Who knows with, you know, when we come out of this, uh, where we're all going to be. But I know there was, there was something that was looking really positive uh, for some uh, future facility in Derby. It, I um, think we, de- it, we definitely need something else. Mm. If you look at, you've got to look at um, Belfast Sports. We've got, on the the boys' side alone, you've got I think two under sevens, two under eights, two under nines, under tens, under elevens, up to yeah. under sixteens, and then you've got under from under nines girls up to under eighteens girls. <laughs> you know that. And, and Belper's tidy. And we've got know. three five side pitchers at Belper, and they mm. they are booked up from six till nine every night through the winter. Wow. So yeah. it, it just goes to show that, you know, it, we do, especially in the winter, you do need more, more yeah, definitely. availability. Yeah, that's that's always been the struggle, hasn't it? Finding a, a decent winter uh, venue. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know, you know, sometimes you, you're all right to play outside, the kids are all right. I think it's the parents more than anything. I mean, I've been stood there up at Belper, and that place has got its own climate anyway. <laughs> um, and in the winter, it's just like, if that's all there is. <laughs> it's just winter. Yeah, <laughs> but where it where it is, I think, because it's a bit higher up as well. We'll leave our house and it's fine. Uh, you know, sort of mild temperatures and that. Get up there and I'm absolutely freezing. I've got icicles coming out of my nose. There seems you know, to be like a wind tunnel on that. Point. Yeah, definitely. Such a big open field. Yeah, it, it must, must in, be a little bit higher up. The wind comes in, but it just stays there. It just freezes everything. Yeah, but you come in, you, you just rock up in your shorts and everything. You're 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 used to it, you are. <laughs> that's it. I was born 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 and bred there, mate. That's that's how it goes. Senior, yeah. yeah. Fair play. So um I know you do some stuff with Glue Pro as well, so I was just gonna pick up on that. I mean, I do I've been watching some of your videos uh that you've been putting out and your um your, your sort of gloves. Um what do you call the videos like um I can't think of the, of the thing now. You put a glove on the other day and it was like a, a oh, strapless. The, reviews. Yeah. the review. Yeah, yeah I've done some reviews recently. Uh, yeah, I've been watching a few and they're pretty good. Um, so what I was going to say is, I mean, like that, for for instance, that glove that had no strap on it. Yeah. I mean, that's not very, that's not great for like protecting your wrist, surely. Um, I find that they're absolutely terrible and yeah. there's no way I'd wear them if I was playing. But some goalkeepers like that a lot of goalkeepers will strap wrists and fingers anyway right yeah for extra support but mm. I've always found that the glove I wear normally gives me enough support around the wrist I have strapped fingers up in the past that I've been carrying injuries with um, but yeah wrist support and there's there's very little support on the, on those gloves they're certainly something that I wouldn't recommend so you had like a, a blue one, like it was a. We did. Was it a Nike one? I, I've done the review on the Adidas one. 
the new yeah, Adidas Predator, well. yeah. which are £150 to buy. That's crazy. The Nike one, which was a mid-range one, which was £80 to buy. Hmm. And the Glue Pro one, which was a base range, which was £25, I think, to buy. Um, the Adidas one came out on top. Uh, it was okay. it was it was the nicest glove out of the three. Then it was the Glue Pro one, and then the Nike one. Um, so if money is no object and you want a strapless glove, I think you have to spend that much money to get a good one. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, one hundred and fifty pounds for a pair of gloves is crazy. It's absolutely it bonkers. <laughs> if you, so I won't be. If you're Manuel Neuer, if you're, if you're, yeah, you know, if Adidas are banging on your really? door saying, "Will you please wear our gloves?" Great, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll wear exactly. Them. If, you, if you're the likes of Manuel Neuer, they're giving them to you. Though. That's the well, thing. They're I mean, paying him, yeah, they're paying him to wear them, and that's one of the reasons why the gloves are 150 pounds. When, yeah. when you've got people that's like true. Neuer and De Gea on massive contracts to wear your gloves, you've got to make the money somewhere. So, see the one that you was wearing that was like blue on the back and yellow on the front. It just looked like a marigold to they, me. They, and I was they like, were it, terrible. It, they're actually selling these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bit mad. So, GluePro, um, what do you find? I mean, I suppose, how did you sort of get involved with GluePro? And um, I take it you're a big fan of the glove. I um, I did my when I did my level one goalkeeping, uh, mm. I bumped into somebody, an old friend, uh, Nick Franklin, who was a goalkeeper at Belper Town while I was down there at under 18s, uh, and he was wearing a pair and asked him where he got them from, and so. Is uh, based up at South Normanton. He's a little independent. Okay. Um, and then when the kids started playing, I said, "Right, we'll get you some decent gloves." Because um, I, so I think I bought a pair of Adidas ones for him, and they were twenty-two pound. I think these gloves were, and they were absolutely terrible, absolutely shocking. Um, so I went up to see Chris up at, up at South Normanton. Um, and we found out that we've got quite a few friends in common. Uh, I, I spent about an hour there with the kids while they chose some gloves and we chatted, and it's progressed from there. Uh, and I haven't, other than the reviews, I haven't put a different pair of gloves on yeah. uh, in three years. Well, I know that there's a on, lot. Sorry. I know that there's a lot of other good independent brands out there, um, mm. but when you compare the prices of the the glue pro kids gloves to the adidas kids gloves it's it's absolutely bonkers you pay the same money but the quality is unbelievably different they are it's the same glove that you would wear as an adult in a smaller size there's no corners cut there's no there's it's not a different palm it's not a different strap it's you know it's an adult's goalkeeper glove for a child and it they are just fantastic it's just well made, yeah, it, and they're not looking at it like, oh, well, you know, you, you, you're a kid and, and you don't have to save as, you know, the shots that you would expect to have to save when, you, when you're an adult. They're actually making it through and through. We're going to put out a quality, yeah. um, you know, glove and, and that's it. Whether you're a kid or you're an adult, you're going to get the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so we've this professional goalkeeper's wearing them. Um, so, you, you know, you, if, you, if you need an endorsement, we've got, Jordan Smith at Forest, he, he wears them. Yeah. Uh, Scott Loach at Barnet now, which is a, which is one step below football league. But he was he's been in two England squads. You know he's trained with the likes of Joe Hart, John Terry, 
Mm. You know, it's somebody who knows football, and it for him to wear gloves made by a small independent brand, I think it it just goes to show that what the turnout is quality stuff. Um, yeah, definitely. And I I get on really well with with Chris who owns it. Um, we're almost neighbours now, so I see I speak, I speak <laughs> to him quite a lot and. Yeah, we we get on really well. Uh, we've got a good relationship. He's, uh, I've designed two gloves for under the bar, with another one coming out. Well, hopefully this year. Yeah. Um, with our own glove, we've done uh, another three gloves. I think that we designed now four, maybe. Um, that's good. That though. That's nice how you can get involved with with stuff like that and have a bit of an influence over um, you know what they're putting out. You're making your own designs and stuff rather than you know Adidas just putting out a Predator glove. Um, you know you can actually. I've seen the NHS one that you you're um, you've got a, yeah. a sort of competition on for. Well, we it was one of the uh, one of the competitions that is, is a lot of glove companies have done design your own glove but with the chance to win win it made win it to be made. Mm. Um, Christmas was won by Sam Tyler who's I think been to I think been to one session I think but that's down to the fact that he's been at academies for the last couple of years uh, and he's done the uh, this NHS with the Superman logo glove and as soon as I saw it I spoke to Chris and said you've got to make that glove the way things are I mean, you've got to make that glove <laughs> um, yeah yeah I really like it the, and, and I'm definitely going to enter that competition as well. I need to get around to general, that. When's it, uh, when's it closed? First uh, of May, it's drawn, so you've got a bit oh, of time okay. yet. Um, but yeah, and so I, I said to us, look, you know, let, let me have one of each size and I'll, I'll auction them off. Uh, you know, I'll do, I'll do a bit of a raffle for, for one light and, uh, and we've done that. And he's done some T-shirts now as well, which I went and collared myself on earlier. Um and it. And it's all for all for a great cause. Yeah, and, I mean, I've I've said that mine is going to go to Derby and Burton uh, Hospital, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and so I'll, I'll anything that comes in from this glove competition will go to that. Um, so yeah, if we raise raise hundred pound, then we raise hundred pound. It's we, we've done something. We, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's all about giving back, I mean, especially times like this. You know, I've got a friend who works in the NHS, and you know he's just super proud of being a uh, part of it and that. But you know what they're doing? They, you know they're putting themselves in danger. Uh, I know it sounds, it sounds you know a bit crazy, but it it does. But it but it really is. That's what they are doing. It's, got, they're around these people. Yeah, when you've got doctors and nurses living in hospitals, so and not mm. seeing their own families to look after other people's. Yeah. Um, you know, I take my hat off to him. It's it's amazing. I spoke to one of our goalkeepers' mums. Um, she's a nurse, um, and she was in A and E the other week. And uh, I mm. messaged her. I'm just doing my job. I said, "No, you're not. You, this isn't the job that you signed up for. This isn't a job that if somebody had said, you know, if you want to be a nurse, but this is going to happen, you'd never take the job on." Um, and so, yeah, massively tip my hat off to him, give them all. I was at eight o'clock tonight clapping for the NHS and key workers and support. Yeah. Because yeah. without them, the, the country would be a complete mess. Yeah, exactly. No, you know, they've been, they are great and we're the same. We're going out there and 
even it's it, every, every week it seems to up, up the level as well. So like I know like we take Mason's got a pan in his hand, he's banging a spoon on it. Um, they were doing some fireworks across the road from me. So it's like every, every week it's just getting more and more support and that. And I know that's uh, you know such a, such a good thing. We should we should sort of embrace that and NHS, uh, you know, hopefully a free organisation towards well, it's, it's unbelievable. I've, really, I've already got a massive thank you for the NHS. Um, yeah. I mean, I had um, I had cancer twice. Um, wow! And so and I had a stem cell transplant in the end. Um, okay. So I've I already owe a massive debt to doctors, nurses at the NHS as it is. So anything, anything yeah. that I can do yeah. to to help, like, is uh, it, it's a bit of a no-brainer, yeah, really, for me. Yeah, I mean. I suppose a lot of us have been affected in some way. You, you know, my mum had cancer and stuff. I never knew that about you, Steve, actually. Uh, that was... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to yeah. throw that on you in the middle of a podcast. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I just didn't know. I was like, oh, really? That's, uh, yeah, man. That's, well, I'm glad you got through it, I suppose. And like you said, with the help of the NHS, I know everybody at some point has, has, has been touched by cancer in some way. Like their, their parents have, you know, my, my wife's uh, dad had cancer um my mum had cancer you know thank god they they came through it um you know and that's that's thanks to uh, the yeah. nhs and there's macmillan wards and nurses and stuff so yeah i mean i think we it's all we're all it granted, to them. It? it's always there oh yeah you know, it's always there it's there for everybody it's times like these when more and more people need it and it, you sort of go you know what thank you <laughs> So yeah, so yeah. when it's all over, if there's any petitions want signing for nurses and doctors to get a pay rise, I will be putting my oh name my on it because they 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 deserve every penny that that yeah hundred want to give them because uh, yeah. It shouldn't, it shouldn't even be a question. There shouldn't even have to be a petition. It should just be a mandatory thing. They go, do you know what? You guys uh, have been amazing throughout all this. We couldn't have done it without you. And, and this is how we're going to repay yeah. you, you know, in some way, shape or form. They they have to be rewarded for the bravery and, and all the good things that yeah, they're doing. Yeah, and I mean, it's not, not, just, it's not just doctors and nurses. I mean, you've only got to look at, at people that are working at supermarkets, uh, delivery yeah. drivers, you know, people that are doing stuff that you never see, that you never think about. They're there now, they're still at work. A lot of people are, are in their homes on, you know, lockdown and going out once a week for, for shopping and then an hour a day for their walk or whatever. But you know, these mm. people are still getting up every morning, putting their uniform on and going to work and coming into contact with all these people. And, and Yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, yeah, there's yeah, there's so many people out there as well, like you say, and I, I even thought about that myself when I was in the supermarket. I just felt like, uh, you know, at the end of doing my shopping, uh, I just like saying a big thank you to to, to the lady on the till. Yeah. Like, it was one of those kind of like, you know, you just you're just here all, all the time, and where, you know, I, it's me because I'm doing the shopping. I'm I'm going. I'm the one that's designated to go out. We don't take the kids out if there's anything like that. And I've seen that quite a lot. And I think you know, if you can. If there's just one person in the family that can go out, that's how yeah. it should be done. I don't know why people are, you know, travelling around in twos, threes and fours. But, um, you know, I, I kind of get a sense of achievement after I've done it because you've seen the queues and everything like that. So by the time you actually finish your shopping, you pack it up and you get in the car, you're like, yes, yeah. I got through it. Um, 
<laughs> but it's like that, you know, it's like I'm getting a sense of achievement out of doing something simple like doing the shopping. These people are there all the time, you know, getting us all through it because let's face it, we all need to eat, we need to drink and everything else. It's We need to live. And without them, without people being at those tills and putting themselves around other people that could potentially have this virus, um, you know. We won't be able to do it. So, yeah, hats off to all those people, really. I suppose, like you say, there's delivery drivers. There's so many people that we just kind of would take for granted. Um, Domino's Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the only one takeaway that I keep seeing that, that are really open, you know, like everybody else has shut down and stuff. So we, I've got to admit, we did get a cheeky Domino's last week. But um, I'm going to start wrapping up. What I want to do with you, Steve, um, is a quiz. So at the end of every podcast, I do a quiz with with uh, with a guest. Um, the score the score's not too bad, right? So you've got 60 seconds okay. um, to get as many answers correct as possible. Um, what I will say is, if I fluff anything up, I'll give you a little bit of extra time on the end because that's that's my bad. Uh, it's not your fault. Um, Sandy Ryan, who was on the show last, is in the lead. She's got a score of three. Uh, the two guys that I had on prior to her, Dwayne and Aaron, they only got two. So, well, you now you've said you've got a chance. They only got two. I feel like I'm under massive amount of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go. Listen, yeah. it is what it is. It's a bit of fun, um, you know. But I don't know. I've, I've got. I fancy my chances on you. I know you. you you're smarter than you act. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not been said before. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Um, I'm going to start the timer and we go straight into it. There's no place like home is a famous quote from the movie. The tea bag was introduced by which company in 1953? Mm, PG. By what more common name is the yam known in the UK? Um, Don't know. Florence Nightingale featured on which British banknote? Sam Worthington plays Jake Scully in which 2009 3D film by James Cameron? Avatar. Yeah. On an email, what does CC stand for? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) I can lick a stamp. Which which planet sits between Earth and Jupiter in its proximity to the sun? Well done. Uh, in 2006, which of the traditional planets of the solar system was relegated to a dwarf planet status? Pluto. Well done. And that was on the buzzer. Uh, two uh, space questions on the bands. Is that? I wouldn't have got either of those. Uh, you've got them both. Is that the well only got right? Right. On an email, what does CC stand for? No, I knew this. That's carbon no, copy. No idea. Sam Worthington plays Jake Scully in which 2009 3D film by James Cameron? Avatar, yeah. you got that right. Well done. Florence Nightingale featured on which British banknote? That was a oh. £10 note. Um, by what more common name is the yam known in the UK? Okay. It's, a su- it's a sweet potato. No way, I had sweet potato my tea. Um, <laughs> so you're, you yammed those yams but you got it wrong you could have just I was, I was going to have a guess I thought yam was like a big yellow thing <laughs> uh, like no it's basically I think I, I feel like they're a, yeah no they're definitely sweet potato but I feel like they're a little bit bigger in America I don't know um, in everything <laughs> though um, the tea bag was introduced by which company in 1953 
Uh, you said PG, and it's oh. Tetley. So close. It's close. It was, uh, it's it's going to be yeah. one or the other, really, isn't it? And There's No Place Like Home is a famous movie quote from which film? The Wizard of Oz, yeah. you got that correct. So actually, Steve, you yeah. got five, mate. It. Top of the top of the leaderboard, yeah, by easily by two, two I'm from there. So, um, we got through quite a few, to be honest. I'm uh, I'm quite surprised. One, two, three, four, five, six, oh, eight. Yeah, percent. I'm well chuffed. Yeah, Cheers. well done. Um, I told you you're not that dumb. <laughs> you're not as dumb as you act. <laughs> I like that. I might use Keep that. that one. I mean, put that on your that put that on your Facebook safe. page. Steve up. On your bio. <laughs> oh, Sam, well done. Good sport today, anyway. Thanks for thanks, thanks for, for doing this uh, for it. me. No problem at all. Um, do you want to drop any um, Instagram or Facebook social pages out there so any listeners can sort of link with you, follow your pages, uh, stuff well, like that? We've got the Under the Bar Facebook page, um, which is just Under the Bar Goalkeeper Training. And our Instagram is under the bar GK, I think. That's what it is on the Instagram. Um, so yeah, if you want to, I'm following. Uh, I'm following you on that anyway. So what I'm going to do is, um, in the bio for this podcast, I'll put both of those socials Real. out there. Um, yeah, and yeah, I wish you all the best uh, for the future with under the bar. You can grow it the way you want to, and you know, really, you know, make a full time living out of it, and you know, I suppose live your dream. I'd love to. Right. Nice All right, Steve. Good. Well, thanks no again, mate. And you Take care, buddy. Later. Cheers, bye, mate. Ta-da. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Max Wall. Do you like coffee? Do you like muscle gains? Well, then Max Wall have engineered the perfect pre-workout supplement for you. Push your workout to the max with their pre-workout roasted coffee containing only essential high-quality ingredients to optimize your perfect workout. It's a high-caffeine coffee loaded with creatine and beta-alanine designed to increase your physical performance, improve your focus, boost your pump, accelerate those gains, and increase that metabolism. I take this coffee myself and I swear by it. It tastes great and it really does help me on my weight training days to push those extra few reps in each set. If you go to their website, maxswole.com, M-A-X-X-Swole.com, when you get to the checkout on any purchase, if you use the promo code POD10, you will get a 10% discount.